Abram, not Abraham, Abram. This is early days. Uh, just thinking about his life this morning. <clears throat> I don't know if you think about church much uh, in the way that we do things. Everybody, everybody has a way of doing things. We as individuals have a way of doing things. Our families have a particular way of doing things. The way your family works is different from the way my family works. We have our own way of doing things. And as church here as well, we have a way of doing things. And the question I ask is, it may have worked in the past, but is it still the way that God wants to do things? And are we prepared for God to shake things up a little bit? I've been praying for this outreach at Will Graham uh, in Falkirk, with Will Graham in Falkirk. What if, what if 30 people come to know Jesus and pitch up at this church on a Sunday in June? Are we ready? Are we prepared to receive new people into the congregation? Maybe people with issues, people with problems. Or do we want to just be settled and stay in the place where we are? Do we want to just be our cosy little uh, church and, and come along on Sunday and do our thing and go back out and then go into the week and do the same things that we do every week? Or do we want to experience God? Do we want to experience God doing something new in us and in our church and in our community? Do we want to really experience that? Because I tell you something, if we want it, if we really want it, God is ready to do it because God wants us to succeed. God wants his church to succeed. God wants his plans and purposes to succeed, and they will. And he will use people who are willing to be used by him, who really, really want to see God's purposes outworked. Ray said last week that uh, we have been in a, a time of transition as a church, and we still are in a time of transition. And transition is a slow process. And uh, blink and you certainly won't have missed it, okay? For some people, change doesn't happen fast enough. Tim, you're in that category. I think Lindsay's in that category as well. <laughs> For some people, change can't happen fast enough. For some people, it's always going to be too quickly. But the reality is that if God begins to do a new thing, and I believe he wants to, and I believe he will, then there needs to be change, and we'll need to discuss that as a church We'll need to maybe have one-on-one -on -one discussions as well. But let's open up our Bibles. We're going to turn to Genesis chapter 12 and read a few verses, just the first three verses uh, from uh, Genesis chapter 12. <coughs> it says here, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Let me just emphasize some of the things in this passage from this slide here. Leave your country. Leave your people, and leave your father's household and go to a land that I will show you. Have you ever thought about what you would do if you were in Abram's position? God comes along and he says, I want you to leave your country, 
I want you to leave the people that you know, the culture that you're familiar with, all the things that we take for granted. I want you to leave that, and I want you to leave your father's household. I want you to leave, and I want you to go to a land that I will show you. Well, where am I going to go? Oh, I'll show you when you get there. Well, that would be a bit scary, don't you think? How many people would be willing to take that step today? If God said to you, I want you to go, I want you to go to Bulgaria, and I want you to stay there for a few years. I want you to go to Thailand, and I want you to stay there for a few years, and I want you to do some things for me. I want you to go to Uganda and do some things with the kids out there, and I want you to stay there for a few years and do that. What if God said that today? Would you be willing to follow? Would you be willing to follow? I'll never forget the day in church when I said to God, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, I'll go, I'll do it. I meant it. I meant it 100%. And I was ready to go anywhere. And... uh, at that point in time, we were just getting into work and, and whatnot, and uh, Mary got a job up in Livingston, and then I got a job up in Livingston. I was like, yay, we don't actually need to go very far. And then I had to go to Japan for a year. I'm like, oh, what's that all about? Are you willing to go wherever, whenever, whatever the cost? Are you willing to go? Now, I'm not saying that God's going to do that with everybody in here. Certainly not. I'm not saying that. But what I'm talking about is Do we have that attitude in our hearts that we're ready to go and follow the call that God puts on our lives? I have three points that I want to try and get through today. The first one is a sense of place. A sense of place. God asks Abraham Abraham to leave his country, to leave everything that is familiar. Leave your country. All of us are different. Some of us would relish that challenge. Some of us, we would run a mile from it. And actually, if you look at most of the times where people are called by God in the Bible, the first thing they do is they make excuses. Why are you asking me? (laughs) I'm not good enough. You need to go and ask that person there because they're much more gifted than than I am. And, you know, whatever. the people in the Bible made excuses. Moses, you know, go and ask my brother Aaron. He speaks better than me. I, I, I can't speak to people. What do I know? It's like, they make excuses. But God persists. God persists. And I think that God wants to persist with some of us, even maybe today. Some of us like the familiar path. Some of us like what's uh, around us. Some of us like though to be pioneers. Some of us like to be out on the forefront and breaking new ground, going to new places and seeing new things and new people and new cultures. But some of us are settlers. But maybe God, even in our settledness and where we are geographically, is saying, I want you to go, I want you to go to your neighbour, the person right next door to you, and I want you to share something with them. We don't need to go very far. As I was thinking about this today, this whole thing about a sense of place, an illustration came forcibly to my mind this week. And it's an illustration um, that for me is very personal. It's my first uh, ever journey to a place called Ascent. Uh, that's 
me not knowing how to work the clicker and anything. So um, it's a place up in the north of Scotland, Sutherland, way up in the northwest. If you're into geology, it's an absolute gold mine. Uh, well, probably not literally, but it's a place with really interest in geology, caves, uh, wildlife. If you're into fishing, it's a wonderful place to go and fish. And I'll never forget my first trip up into Ascent. And uh, it starts off with a time of preparation. You're like, okay, what do I need to take to go on this journey? It starts with researching. It starts with booking a caravan. For me, it was a caravan at the time. We have stayed in that caravan since when the, the, the ice was on the inside of the windows. That's why we've never been back since. Uh, but we, we start off by getting out the maps. We, we plan our journey. Um, this was in the days before sat-navs. It was in the days before mobile phones. All of that stuff. This was the day where you actually got out your road atlas and you planned your journey and you wrote everything down so that you knew where to turn left, right, blah, blah, blah. You get your car all uh, loaded up and you just think, I wish I had a bigger car because I wanted to take that kitchen sink after all. You want to see us going on holiday, by the way. It's an absolute nightmare trying to get that car parked. Checking the car, checking the tyre pressures, checking the oil and the water and doing all these things. And then you set out and you get on the road. And there's this sense of anticipation as you follow the directions, keeping track of the road, the signs, the progress, and the little voices in the back, which we didn't have at that time because there was no little voices. Are we nearly there yet? Um, this was in the days before little voices. Um, and have you ever noticed how when you're going to a new place, it always seems to take forever to get there? And when you come back, it takes half the time. But actually, it takes the same time. It's just about our perceptions. And why is it that you always remember the thing that you forgot when you're too late to turn back for it? Like, even if I'm out my drive, I'm too late to turn back for it. I'm like, I'm not going back, I'm not going back, I'll do without it. And for me, the first time I went to this place uh, was a bit of an adventure. And uh, we, we got to a place called Ullapool. Um, if you've been into Ullapool, you drive in, there's the Shell Garage on the right-hand side, Alan, you'll know it well. And uh, driving through Ullapool, and we were surrounded by the mist and... Uh, we drove up through, followed the road signs, out into the hills beyond civilization. We're like, where are we going? This is taking forever. The mist was down, and when the mist's down, you kind of lose your sense of direction a bit. You lose your bearings. Uh, well, we didn't lose the bearings. We didn't have bearings then, but... Um, <laughs> But you, you kind of tend to lose your sense of place. This sense of place that we're talking about, you think, oh, where am I? Where's... And then I remember reaching this junction. It's called the Ledmore Junction. It's the one, it's one of those junctions um, where you have three choices. You either turn left to go to Loch Inver, to the place we were going, you turn right to go to Lairg, or you turn back because you're too scared. Okay. <laughs> And when I had done my research, I knew I needed to turn left to go to Loch Inver. Now, when I was there, this is a photograph from the late 80s. When I was there, I was almost at the junction before I could see the signs. The mist was so thick. I thought, okay, I need to turn left. And as I turned left, committing myself to this road, how many miles does it say? 15 miles or something like that to Loch Inver? 19 to Loch Inver, 19 miles. I'm like, 19 miles to go. And I'm in my car, and I'm looking at the fuel gauge, and I'm thinking, I've went through a lot of fuel here. What if I get to Loch Inver, and there's no petrol station? 
am I going to have enough to get back to Illapool, to that shell garage that I just passed there, and I should have stopped to fill up before I went on? Preparation. And that moment of doubt came in, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> what if I run out of fuel? Never forget that. It's one of those interesting, every time I get to that place, I, I think of that. And, and doubts can arise in our heads. And uh, we arrived at our caravan, we got unpacked, it was still misty, it was pretty damp. It's Scotland after all. Uh, it was the middle of summer. No, maybe this was September weekend. Um, and and uh, we arrived there, we got unpacked, and uh, we kind of got settled in for the night. The next morning, the next morning we went out, and the mist had lifted. Talk about a sense of place. Let me show you a little photograph that I put together. It's a number of photographs stitched together. When you're in this landscape, there is no place like it for a sense of place. All you see is these peaks standing up out of the landscape, and it is just awe-inspiring. It's a, an incredible place to be. And I don't know about you, I'm quite a sentimental person. Um, there's a place down in Loch Inver, a, a wee shop that sold CDs and things like that, called Northern Lights. I don't know if anybody ever was there and remembers that. And I, I bought a CD um, which was called Skydance. And we put Skydance on and we played it and we played it and we played it and we played it. We almost wore the thing out. And so I associate the music from that CD with that area, with that landscape. Every time I listen to it, even today, I associate it with that landscape. And you think you'll never ever hear a piece of music as good as that ever again. And it's not true. Because I remember watching um, the program Hebrides. How did you know I was going to say that? <laughs> Read my mind. And uh, there's a piece of music on it uh, called A Precious Place um, by a man called Donald Shaw. And see that piece of music? That piece of music just is incredible. Uh, I think about the music that we listen to. I, I like Scottish music. I like folk music, traditional music. And there's such a connection with that music and the land and our culture. And it's a, such a strong thing. And you kind of think, I'll never ever hear a piece of music ever like that. It's as good as that ever again. And lo and behold, you do. You hear something else. And the music connects us with the land. And then I get captivated by this mountain. It's called Sylvan. It's kind of stretched in the picture there. It's not as long, it's not as squidged as that, and it's a bit taller. It's captivating for me. I've climbed that mountain twice. But for a Christian, there's another dimension to this. And there's another dimension to the music as well. Because I remember standing at the top of that uh, mountain. See the, see the big kind of round bump on the right-hand side there? Standing at the top of that and looking out, and you could see for miles and miles around, away out to the sea, you could see a way up north, up through Sutherland, and you could see a way over Sutherland, a way over to the east, you could see south. It was just incredible. And I stood on top of that mountain, and I had an experience with God. And into my mind came the words of a song, a song that we sing, a song that connects us with our spiritual land, if you like. And it was the last verse of a hymn. And it says, We're the whole realm of nature mine. 
Bear in mind you're standing on top of a mountain and you're looking around and you think, this is incredible. You look at God's creation and you think, this is wonderful. We're the whole realm of nature mine that we're an offering far too small. If all this were mine and I was able to give it back to God, it would be too small an offering because love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Never forget it. When you say to God, wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, whatever you want me to be, and you find yourself in the privileged place of being on top of a mountain and having these words running through your soul, you realize, actually, I am so blessed. So blessed to know this God that we're talking about this morning, the God that we've been worshiping, the God that we want other people to be introduced to, people who don't know this God yet. And as I thought about this, I thought about our church here. I thought about the sense of place that we have here. I thought about the things that we need to do as a fellowship to get prepared to go on the journeys that God wants us to go on. We are not going to move this building geographically. That's not going to happen. In fact, we're not even at this point in time planning to move the church geographically. We're not looking for another building. We're looking to just do what we can with what we have here whilst we wait on God for instructions. And if he wants us to move to another building, then we'll do that. If he doesn't, then we won't. If he wants us to spread out through planting other congregations, then we'll do that. And we're kind of inclined to think that that's maybe what God wants to do. But as we set out in this journey, we as individuals need to be prepared. We as a church need to be prepared. You don't set off on a journey without preparation. If you do, expect a wee problem. Even this week we set out on a journey on Tuesday, late afternoon. We got as far as West Calder and encountered a problem. The car stopped working. We pulled into the side of the road and we had to call for help. Maybe not through lack of preparation. Maybe something happened. Maybe it was just something that happened. And as a church, we need to be, I think we need to be willing to consider this. Are we prepared to move? Are we prepared to change? Are we prepared to be spiritually influenced in order to be a different kind of people, to be a different kind of gathering, to be maybe expectant for God to do some unexpected things. I long for the day when God does some unexpected things in here. I long for the day where the people that I've been praying for for many years come to know Jesus. For the people who I've been praying for for years experience miraculous healing power in their bodies. But I think God is only going to do it if we really want him to do it. <clears throat> when we're on a journey, there can sometimes be a sense of loss. Leave your people and your father's household. A sense of loss when we move on. When we move on from those things which are familiar, and uh, we'll probably experience this in life, when we move on from relationships, people that we love, Perhaps we move house, 
from an old house that we liked to a new house that is better, but it's still no, still do our house yet. To a new job, to a new school, whatever it is. And there's the inevitable changes that life brings. We have no choice over these things. Life will change, life will change us. Things will change around us, and we can't stop that. But there are things that we can choose because we want to keep moving forward. And there are times when the only thing we can do is either move forward or turn back. And I don't know about you, but as a Christian, I want to keep moving forward. I want to keep moving forward into God's plan and purposes for my life. Abram had to leave his past behind in order to step into God's future for him. What may God be calling you to leave or to let go of in order to see his plans succeed, to see his purposes established, to see his glory established on earth? And as we pray about it, we pray about it often, about his kingdom coming and his will being done. If we pray that, and Jesus instructed his disciples to do that. And some other church uh, cultures and traditions will pray this as part of their service every single week, every time they gather. Your kingdom come, your will be done. The question is, what do we perhaps need to lay aside, either as individuals or as families or as a church, in order to step into the new things that God wants to do? God is calling us to be a Christ-centered church, a community-focused church. And it's up to us as a congregation to do these things, to be in the right place, to be prepared, to be ready to go on that journey that God calls us to. What did Abram do? Well, we probably all know the story already. Did he say, nah, you're okay, God. I think I'll just stay here. I'm quite happy where I am. Thank you very much. Ask somebody else. What does it say? Genesis 12. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. 75 years old. I pause, and I think, should I ask the question? Yes, I will ask the question. Do you think I'm actually too old for this now? I've done my bit. I've had my turn. 75 years old, and he sets out, sets out with his nephew Lot, with his wife, with all his possessions that they had accumulated, and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Imagine that. It's not just one man and his wife setting off on a wee journey in the wee mini saying, let's go to Canaan. <laughs> Have we got enough fuel? Is there a petrol station on the way? This is a massive effort. This is Abram and his household. This is all his servants. And as you read later on, it talks about the 300 and however many men that were born into his household uh, I can't find it in my notes, but it's there somewhere. I'm digressing. This, was an, this, th this wasn't just a, a small thing to do. This was a monumental task. But for Abram, 
I reckon there must have been a sense of loss, the loss of what was familiar to him, his people, his father's household, perhaps even a loss of some identity to some extent. It was a risk that he took. But I think we read in his story that he had a sense of peace as he moved out into what God had for him. And I'm not going to finish my notes today, I'm afraid. Abram set out in obedience to God. Here we go, we're on our journey, and everything's going to be great, and everything's going to be work out because God's asked us to do this, and it's going to be fine. Is that the case with Abram? What does it say? Abram had trouble in Egypt. Abram had trouble with his nephew Lot, and his nephew Lot, with all his herdsmen, had to part company with Abram and his herdsmen. And Lot said, or Abram said to his nephew, you know, they went to a high place and they looked out and says, well, where do you want to go? He says, well, I'll take that bit over there. That looks really green and nice. I'll go over there. And Abram says, well, okay, that's fine. You you go and, and do your thing. Imagine the sense of loss there. Abram had to go and rescue his nephew Lot because his nephew Lot was taken captive. Here's the bit in my notes. 318 trained men from Abram's house went along with him to rescue Lot from the marauding kings that were in the area at the time. Things didn't go well. Do you think Abram had doubts? Do you think he said, wait a minute, you asked me to go to this land that you would show me, and I thought everything would be hunky-dory. Uh, and I thought everything would be great and there'd be no problems and we'd be plain sailing, but actually we've had nothing but trouble. I love chapter 15 in this book of Genesis. Verse 1 says that the word of the Lord came to Abram. Verse 4 also, and the word of the Lord came to him. And when we're in times of transition, when we're in times of stepping out in faith, when we're perhaps in the mist and we're losing our sense of direction and all we have is that little sign telling us to turn left and it's 19 miles to Loch Inver, when we're in that place, spiritually speaking, we need to come back to what God has spoken over our lives, what God has spoken over our church. And it's these words that sustain us and keep us. It's these words that give us direction. But it's these words that give us that sense of peace that we need in order to carry on. I don't know what word you keep going back to time and time again when you're waiting on the fulfillment of what God has said to you. I'm sure we're all in that position. Many of us will be. We keep coming back to a word that God spoke to us and it's a reference point for us. And it gives us that sense of peace. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And God spoke to Abram. Genesis 15.7 and 8 says this, He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land and to take possession of it. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? And if you read on in the story, you read that God brings Abram into perhaps a difficult place. He has this dream, he has this vision, but in that, God confirms what he has said to Abram and confirms what he wants to do in his life. 
And as church, we need to come back, even in those moments where you say, Oh, Sovereign Lord, how can I know how can I know that this is what you want for me as an individual? How can I know that this is what you want for the church here? How can I know? God will confirm the things which he has planned and purposed for each of us, whether it's on an individual level, whether it's something that we're thinking about as a family, whether it's something that we're thinking about as a church. God will confirm his word to us. And it's amazing when we need that little word of encouragement, we pray, Lord, help me. I think you said that in your message uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Stephen. You can pray all the fancy prayers you like. But sometimes it's that simple, Lord, help me. I need help here. Sometimes it's those honest prayers that shoot out from our hearts like arrows that God comes along and he says, okay, you're in the right place now. You recognize your need. There's so much more that I would like to share but I'm going to have to stop. But I want to say one last thing, that we remind ourselves that the church does not exist for itself. The church does not exist for us to be uh, looked after and to be cared for and for us to all be friendly or to have fellowship. The church exists for the glory of God. Number one, we do that through caring for each other and through looking out for each other and uh, through all of these things that we do. But the primary purpose of the church, any church, the church, is to bring glory to God. And my question and my challenge is, for me, as part of this church, is my life bringing glory to God? For you, as part of this church, is your life bringing glory to God? And what are we together bringing into the life of this church that will see his kingdom come, that will see his will be done? I'm going to finish with one verse from Isaiah 43, 8 and 19. And it says this. Oops. It says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. I'm taking you to a new place, church. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Well, I'm in the mist at the moment. And I'm struggling to see it. But I've seen the sign. And I know that I need to turn left. I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. God is in the business of making things new, making people new, making situations new, making circumstances new. We need to lean into him and to trust him and I encourage us to do that. Let's just bow our heads in prayer as we come. Uh, we're going to spend some, some, uh, some time just taking uh, communion as well this morning. And maybe the worship team could come up at the same time as we're praying. <coughs> Father, we thank you that you are in the business of making all things new. Father, we know that even in our own experiences that we are being renewed day by day. Father, the inner man, the spiritual person is being renewed day by day. And Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for uh, the hope that we have, this incredible hope that takes us beyond even the physical, even the things that we appreciate in this life that we see around us with our, uh, with our senses. Father, that you are accomplishing something that is far greater than that. 
And Father, even Isaiah said that the old things had passed away, that there was a new heaven and a new earth. And these words are echoed in Revelation as well. Behold, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Father, your plan is to to make things new, to restore the fallen order that is in this world. Father, to redeem us, to bring us back to yourself. And Father, you're doing that day by day, and we thank you for that. And Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he has made this possible for us, that he died on that cross, that we might receive forgiveness from sins. Father, we thank you that you are in the business of doing new things. Father, you're in the business of changing circumstances for your glory. You're in the business of changing lives for your glory. You're in the business of making us succeed in the things of God for your glory. And Father, we pray as as we take communion, Father, that you'd help us just to give our lives to you afresh today. Father, we thank you for all the good things that you're pouring into our, our lives, into our families, into our fellowship here. And Father, we don't take those things for granted. But Father, we most of all just thank you for Jesus this morning. Father, we read in your word that he was broken, that he was bruised, that he endured so many things on our behalf that we might experience this new life. And Father, I thank you for the day and hour that I invited you into my life. I thank you for that moment. And Father, I just thank you that you have planned a purpose that many more people would enter into that newness of life.